Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today, the man who is thoughts become things, Neo-Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed we are, and uh, also have to send out uh, a happiness note to Alex, who is once again dealing with those medical issues that she's been dealing with for so long now, Neil. I mean, poor Alex, just like it's been one thing after another with her. So we're, we're sending as much high vibe as we can her way. She's actually got a surgery coming up too. So Alex, if you're tuned in, we're thinking about you. We care about you. We love you. And uh, we want you to get healthy really, really soon. So yes. get that message. And, and re- uh, revert back to your training. Revert yeah. Back to your training, revert back to everything you've talked about and heard about ever in the law of attraction revert back to that training in these times. Excellent advice. Yeah, I like that. Oh, and also have some news because we haven't heard from Dan Mangena in months, right? Because he, this guy's like, he's a world traveler. Well, guess what? We're going to have him on in February and in March, February 23rd, March 16th. Dan Mangena is going to be back. He's going to be telling us what's been going on in his world travels. Um, I, I believe when he's hooking in on the 16th of March, he'll be hooking in from Richard Branson's Necker's Island. So that's going to be really interesting to have that Ooh, conversation. He's going back for a second term. He's going huh? back for a second one. Yeah, how about that? That must have been twenty five grand well spent last year. <laughs> At least. I think it was actually more than that. But yeah, it was uh it was a significant chunk of change, no doubt. That's funny. Well you know what? In the spirit of that, I have two people now that have gone to Richard Branson's island who have at least Talked about the law of attraction, hopefully mentioned, you know, something neo positivity, yeah. LOA today related. Uh, Emily Latran, she's a dentist, um, that was, that, that had went this year as well. So the, Dan was co-hosting one of these days of the week with you, right? He, yeah. He was doing Thursdays with me and Alex, uh, up okay. until roughly last spring, something like that. And then he took off on his world tour and we haven't seen him since. <laughs> So, <laughs> must be having a good time, baby. That's yeah, what he is. About. He is. He, he's been, he's been spending a lot of time in Dubai. Interestingly enough, and I don't know what's been going on there. We'll find out, you know, when he comes to visit on the uh, February the twenty third. But Dubai. You know what? For people like us three in that atmosphere, we're gonna thrive. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna thrive. Anytime I get around successful people, uh, even though I might not have a suit on. And I might not, I might be the only black dude in the room. This information, this shirt, this mm. thought process thrives by the yeah. end of every, every unanimously, every room I've been into, every conference, every summit, by the end of the play, by the end of that session, I was regarded as the person to know in that room. Like, that's get cool. Know, get to know him. That's it's, really cool. It's, it's because of the law of attraction and the, the conversations we have about it. Well, it's also about you. Let's be honest. I mean, you have that <laughs> magnetic personality. You really do. No, we got to say it. You have that magnetic personality. And that's what LOA is about, right? Magnetizing I for yourself. You. I appreciate you. <laughs> you do. You do. You're a joint. Well, you call yourself Neo Positivity for a reason. I mean, yeah, you're right on. about that. You're right about that one. Um, but yeah, man. And shout out. Let me put it in here. Hashtag we love Debbie G. Shout out to Debbie G. Wish her a yeah. recovery in her situations. We're looking forward to when she comes back. I'm not sure when that's going to be. I think it's going to be within the next couple of weeks, but I don't know for sure. We'll we'll find that one out. It's funny uh, because Debbie just bought a new house to do retreats. Yeah, in Colorado. 
and I am going to start doing retreats. Ooh. So that's going to be one of the first stops. And I hear a connection I, I, going on. I want you guys to come and speak at them, you know, or at least do a Zoom call sessions because we're yeah. you know, we have different stuff every day. I have a business coach come in. I have a yogi come in. I have a shaman come in for those who are into it and those who just Beautiful. want to watch. I'll have all type of different activities planned out every day. And as far as location, um, a lot of people do those ex- ex- extravagant rich like my boy elijah's like yo find me the biggest mansion you can find in la that can have 16 people and um my other boy um karen he does them at you know really pretty places in mexico oh okay i'm more of a earthy i'd rather have like colorado look at the mountains all day i'd rather have that background than a beach and marble tile you know, because that's where that's the point of it. We getting grounded, we're getting centered, which means leaving all the Richie Richie, you know, get this to have that look. Go, yeah, we're letting go of all of that. So yeah, it's I gotta definitely hit her up about that. But and it's not like the the facility is a wreck. I mean it's gorgeous. I mean Oh no, it's dope. It's definitely it's dope. star. It's beautiful. But you're not gonna see no beaches. No, no <laughs> beaches there. No. <laughs> no, not too many beaches, not too many oceans, no. You know, it's funny when you hear the word retreat, when I hear the word retreat, that's the first thing I think. It's something tropical. So either if it's like Atlantic City Beach or, you know, some kind of let's hit the beach somewhere. And I love the idea of like when I was in Denver and all I saw was the Colorado Rockies, Mm. like 180 of my 180 degrees of my view right here, which most of it was mountains when I was facing north. So um, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. And to bring any type of meditation or yoga or peacefulness or, or shamans into it, that is just strengthening everything. What is, is it called Joshua Trade? Joshua Tree? Mm, well, Joshua, Joshua Tree is something specific. The, you're asking for the name of, of Debbie's Resort? No, no. The, the, it's like some rocky place somewhere. I saw it in an episode of Entourage. Oh. They were visiting Joshua Trade and they were taking shrooms to get clarity on something. Oh, and it okay. Was just like... You know, that looks pretty dope, minus the shrooms. That yeah. looks like a pretty dope atmosphere. Just anything you know, we can see. Tree, it's a, it's a just, national park, I think, and I think it's in California. Um, but yes. Uh, yeah, Joshua yeah. Tree? Joshua Tree, yeah. Joshua okay. Tree National Park or National Forest or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Let's get it, Debbie. Let's set this up. <laughs> and if anybody wants to join my mastermind, you know, just go to Neil. You've got a mastermind come up. Tell us about that. Well, that's, that's what it is. Basically, I would be coaching. You would put life coach and business coach all in one category and label it law of attraction. Okay. And that's me implementing the law of attraction into people the best way I know how. Mindset right. shifting, which repetition, I'm staying in your butt. I got a packet, you know, that you got to fill out every day. It's only one and a half pages that you would fill out. The rest of it's instructional. But yeah, you would do that and you would get a, a one hour session with me a month, 24 hour access to a group chat with the other mastermind members and two resorts nice. a year and just changing lives, man. Just changing lives. It's crazy because you got somebody that I've seen masterminds like this that focus on business and that's cool. But what I love about mine is you got somebody that's trying to heal, somebody that has cancer, somebody who's starting a business. Someone who's failing in a million, multi-million dollar business. And they're all in a group chat together. They're not just talking about finances. They're talking about their mindset. 
how they shifted, how they, like we do, how do you shift your mindset when such and such happens, bad email, and they're comforting each other, they're answering each other when I can't get on, I'm coming in and answering every day though. So yeah, it's a whole thing. Just go to neopositivity.com and uh, check it out. It's awesome. Now, I, I hope the fee, because masterminds usually have a fee associated. I hope the fee isn't like a, a Richard Branson fee, you know, like 25, 50 <laughs> grand or something like that. Nah, nah. Um, right now we're doing the 3,500 a month. Oh, okay. And I, I know some people, especially the people that I grew up with, they, they damn, that's a lot of, oh, up. that's mm, a lot of, that, that'll wake you up. Yeah. But once you're bringing in 30 grand a month, that don't make a difference. Mm. You know? And, you know, of course, I've been doing stuff for years for free. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to be working with some people on the low. You know what I mean? Some, mm-hmm. some people don't know. But that's why I love working in dentistry and stuff like that. To them, that's nothing. To them, that's like, to them, that's like, I'm going to have, I'm going to double the amount of practices I have from six to 12 in the next year. That's because huge. of what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, yeah. So paying that little bit ain't nothing. So. Yeah, 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 it's dope. It's dope. We started off at two grand, but now we up to thirty five. Up to thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's just... that's success right there. That's one of success, my, baby. One of my mentors came to me yesterday, and he was like, "No, not no more. Thirty five. So there's <laughs> <laughs> a good mentor. I like that. So yeah, this is this is where we at with it. So sleep habits. You you sent me a text when 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 we talked about you being on the show today. You you sent me a text saying, "Remind me to bring up sleep habits." And you didn't give me any more details, so I couldn't put any details in. So what'd you have in mind? We touched on a very important subject a couple of weeks ago, but it was we had a guest on, so we didn't get to chop it up because we went right back uh, to the guest. But I had asked you because um, I heard that it took up to three hours to get into REM. And my question was, once I enter REM, I usually go pee in the middle of the night. So (laughs) an hour later, I'm waking up and it's going to take another three hours to get into REM. So I'm not experiencing very much of my eight hours into REM. And then you had said something along the lines of, that's not necessarily true. You can get into REM faster or, you know, quicker than three hours. And I didn't really, I, I'm like, elaborate, please. I need to, I need to okay. feel better about my REM sleep because well, every night I do. Bear in mind, the, the information I'm about to give you is like 40 years old because that's when <laughs> I learned about this stuff. Okay. So there's probably up to date research that, you know, kind of surpasses what I'm about to say. But what was known around circa 1980 or something like that was that we go into REM about every hour. But for the first hour, we're in REM for maybe five minutes or less, maybe only a minute or two. And then like this, and, and it, it's not exactly an hour, by the way. It's not like we're, we're on a clock. It's just that there's a tendency about, you know, maybe every anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, we go into a REM state. So the first REM state's really short, maybe one, two, three, four, five minutes, something like that. Second state's a little bit longer. Third one's a little bit longer. And of course, you're going through a bunch of these throughout the night because it's every 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on your particular rhythm. And then by the last hour or two of the night, you're doing what we at that point in time called a a full movie. Now, I don't know if that's still the way they look at it, but that's the way we looked at it 40 years ago. And that full movie is anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes long. So, And, and basically what happens is in each stage of REM, 
you are, you, you start with a kernel with that three to five minutes and then you expand it with the next one and then you add more details to the next one and add, add more details at, uh, you know, with the next one until you get that final movie, so to speak. The final movie is like everything all pieced together. Ah. And they is identified it- this just by doing sleep research where literally they had people sleeping in a, in a laboratory and they'd wake them up every hour, basically sleep deprived them and ask them, what are you dreaming? And they would record, you know, what was going wow. on with their dreams. That sounds like something I would do. Like I, I go that hard. I go that hard. Um, I don't know if I would try. I'm going to try that. Now you got me thinking about it. So basically based off of what you just said, the most rim that we're going to experience is around an hour, half hour, hour. It's different half for every person. There, there's so there no is no six rule. hours of rim. Like if someone says I, no. I slept six hours of rim last night, I could just look at him like, no, you didn't. Because the other part of it is, and, and again, this is 40-year-old information. They may have new information since then. But as, as it was taught to me then, there are, I think, four levels of sleep. Uh, and I don't remember what they called it. We'll just call them first, second, third, and fourth level. First level and I think second level is where you experience REM. Third and fourth are the deep sleep where you just rest sleeping. And we go through a cycle, first, second, third, fourth, third, second, first, second, third, fourth, third, second, first. That, you know, we're going through that kind of a cycle throughout the night. So we're going into deep sleep, we're coming up and going into REM, going down into deep sleep, going up to REM, down to deep sleep, over and over and over again. So and, that's and how you know for sure that you're not in REM the entire night. And what specifically mentally is happening during REM and physically? If there's a level of healing, that's more than if you're just in deep sleep. I don't have a lot of information about that. What was taught to me was that during REM, your mind is generating imagery. And your the imagery is in the form of visual imagery. It can be in sound imagery. It can rarely even be in touch or smell um, imagery. Um, it can even be taste imagery. Um, so dreams. That's what you're talking dreams. about? Dreams, yeah. So you're not dreaming when you're in deep sleep, only when you're in REM. When you're in REM. That's what REM is. And, and the reason they call it REM is because when you're in that dream state, REM is an acronym that stands for rapid eye movement. So your eyes are moving constantly while, while you're in the REM state. Yeah, because it, it's like VR. <laughs> like a yeah, VR helmet on. <laughs> very much. Yeah, very similar. Right. And then when you're in the deep sleep, your eyes calm down. So that's why you're not in REM anymore. Oh, man, the amount of calories <laughs> you know, that you might burn. I don't know. I was on the exercise bike for 46 minutes the other day and it said I did 323 calories. I was like, what is, what is going? What's the over under on that? That's terrible, but I don't know if it's off or not. Um, okay. So sure REM sleep equals dreaming. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, you REM and, and, and dream are, it's not a hundred percent correlation, I don't think, but it's like 98%. It's very, very high correlation. Now, have you heard that? Because I heard that when you don't remember a dream, it's because your body basically doesn't want you to remember that dream. It's like, and it even, Hmm. to me, I took it to the place of it was that bad. That my body was like, I can't remember what we were taught on that. I I mean, I I can't draw back on that 40-year-old information on that because I really don't remember. My, My personal feeling, my personal sense of it is that when we don't remember because I, I do remember how they, they told the story about what would happen when they did dream research each night. Because you know, literally the person would be falling asleep in a lab, wired up to everything you can imagine, and they're, they're tracking everything. They're, they're just trying to figure out everything that's going on so they can understand the sleep cycle. And when 
when they wake people up, a couple of things happen, especially if they're in the REM state. First of all, it's so disruptive to their psychology that by the end of the night, they feel like they haven't slept. Wow. In other words, when you get, when you get awakened while you're in the middle of REM and you have it happen repeatedly, that's a form of sleep deprivation. Wow. Because literally your mind is being deprived of the opportunity to dream. And that dream has, a, the, the dreaming activity has a lot of values. I don't remember what all of them are, but a lot of values that actually serve you physically. They, it, it, it's almost like it's, it's cleaning out. It's, it's yeah. kind of cleaning out your psyche. It's cleaning out your, your mind. It, it's cleaning yeah. out uh, the endocrine system. It's, it's, it's a, there's like a whole flushing that goes on because of the dream state. And again, I can't tell you any more details because I don't really remember. It's 40 years ago, but you know, that's what I do remember about it. The fact is that when you wake up in the middle of, when you're, when you're forcibly awakened in the middle of dream state, um, and it happens all night long, you're sleep deprived. But the reason they do that is because when you are awakened during dream state, you're going to remember the dream if only for a yeah. 30 second interval, but, but they're yeah. able to get consistent data that way. So that's why they keep waking people up right in their, when they're in rapid eye movement. It's so funny. I have so much confidence in my brain, confidence in my brain, but it's been shattered when I realized years ago, like I could wake up and fully remember my dream and 30 mm. seconds later, not remember any of it. Isn't and that crazy? You yeah. can, you, I've sat there and watched details about it disappear from my mind. And I was like, how was this even happening rapidly? Like in the course of 10 seconds, everything just oh, yeah. deteriorated until I said, well, at least I know what it was about. And I stopped and I didn't know what it was about anymore. <laughs> no clue what the subject was. And I was like, that's insane. Like, how does, yeah. So now I'm like, the dreams, the sleep state, all of it is super important. I, I don't think we reach research it enough. I certainly don't. And I want to know why we don't remember our dreams. You know, because according yeah. to the REM schedule, I should be at least entering it or having a dream six to six plus times a night. Something like that, yeah. And I'm not remembering none of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember from last night, but that most nights I don't. Well, um, here's a question for you. Now, I, I'm off the track now of what I learned 40 years ago. I'm, I'm now in my, my current speculative mode, okay? But the question I have for you is, is there a payoff for you to not remember? Yes. If What's the payoff? For me, as if it's a horrible scenario. It's like watching Days of Our Lives. You know, somebody screws somebody over big time. And then later on that night, you're thinking, well, yeah, I'd be able to handle that situation. I'd do this, this, and that. You're putting yourself in the emotional state of being that I just got screwed over mm -hmm. situation. And you're running scenarios like that, thus attracting that to mm -hmm. your life. And so that's why I so took the notion that it was a self-defense mechanism. Yeah, the dream was that bad that you don't even want to know about it. But if there's six plus dreams a night that are so bad, I don't want to know about it. What the heck is going on? Well, remember, it you doesn't know? necessarily have to be a dream that you don't want to know about. Well, that's why I said it. I, I mean, this is just something I heard and it was just, it wasn't from a book or anything like that. It was just random conversation that just took. I was like, that could make sense. But I haven't heard anything contrary since. Well, it, it, we, we've identified one possibility as to why it is we don't remember the dreams. Like you said, perhaps it's because it's a traumatic dream and we don't want to remember it. That's certainly one possibility. 
But I'll bet you there are other possibilities we, we could come up with. For instance, dreams are often a bit chaotic, not necessarily bad, but they just kind of bounce all over the place and they don't make a lot of sense. What if we don't want to know about a dream that doesn't make a lot of sense because it just drives us nuts trying to figure the darn thing out? That You know what's funny? Because when you say that, I'm like, I don't think I've ever had a dream like that. I wouldn't remember. <laughs> I probably would. <laughs> I probably would have shut that down. Yeah. So that is a, that is very well possibilities. See, the possibilities are endless because you don't they remember are. them. You know, it's like missed opportunities. You could have had a hundred opportunities today, and you'll sit there and say, "I didn't have any opportunities." Yeah, you did. You just don't know about them. Well, it, that also I, leads to something else, and this does come from what I learned forty years ago, and I'm sure it's still true. And that is if you want to increase your ability to remember dreams, the thing to do is to keep a notebook by your bed. And every time you wake up, just scribble anything you can think of related to the dream. And don't worry if you don't get it. But the activity, it's kind of like when we're doing meditation on a regular basis or we're doing affirmations on a regular basis or anything like that. You get better at it over time. And the same thing is true with with uh, journaling your dreams. So if you record just whatever fragment you can remember the first time, and you don't remember anything the second time, but the third time you remember something, just that activity of trying to write down whatever it is that you can remember about the dream immediately after you woke up, over time you'll find that you're able to draw more and more and more information. You know what? I may have to incorporate that. But if you only remember one dream a month, it's going to take you a long time to do this study. I had stolen. But, but that's the point, though. If 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 you do this activity, even if you're somebody who doesn't remember your dreams, you'll find oh, you start you'll remember, to remember more, more often. Exactly. That's, I stole my my trick for meditating, and I put it to dreams. Uh, I'm so happy and thankful that I remember my dreams. Yeah, that was an affirmation, and I was doing that. And I BS you not, I started to remember them. Exactly. I exactly. forgot to do the affirmation after two days. And it got numb <laughs> yeah. to me. But here's another thing I just want to throw out there for, for those of you that are really interested in dreams. I heard that if you can fly, basically your ability to fly in your dreams is equal to and dictated by how abundant you feel. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I fly in my dream. I'm so happy and thankful that I remember my dreams. I fly in my dreams. I feel my abundance. That was my affirmation. And I was doing that often, at least, you know, at the very least 10 times when I woke up, 10 times when I went to sleep, I think day two or three, I remembered three nights of dreams in a row, but by then I had stopped doing the affirmation and I haven't really remembered a dream since. <laughs> it also weird. occurs to me, we could arrange a time, maybe a, on a Thursday, because Thursdays are, we have a lot of flexibility on Thursdays. Maybe we could arrange a time where you and Louis D'Souza, who does the Monday show with me, are on at the same time and talk about this stuff. Because not so much that he and I have talked much about dreams, but he and I have talked a lot about um, out-of-body states and okay. you know, astral travel and all that kind of stuff. And he's done a lot of it himself. And I've is that similar bit, to lucid dreaming? <clears throat> lucid dreaming is part of that overall discussion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm thinking... I'll bet you he has some things to contribute that would make it, you know, easier for you to make those kinds of connections that you want to make. And that would also make a really interesting conversation too. Yeah, that's dope. Or, you know, one day I might just come hop on a Monday, you know, that you guys don't have any mm -hmm. guests. Be able to mix it up. But either way, we're going to make it. Well, we want to make sure that, that we don't have a guest that day so we can actually dive yeah. into it. 
That's what I say. I might have to yeah. just book a book a Monday with you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I think we I actually booked something with you before we got started here. I'll I'll see if I can find what that date was, and then I'll see if Louis is available for that date. You know what? I think I took Thursday the fifth. I don't remember. We'll we'll, we'll figure it we'll, out. We'll afterwards. figure it out. Yeah, we'll see if we can knock it out because this is this is so important. Me and you, and you know, our, hopefully most of our listeners are very good at knowing. What's in our arsenal as far as daytime? I'm mm. awake. Affirmations, meditation, stare at trees, different things to do while you're awake. But this subject of while you're asleep, it's just we don't touch on it much. Like I, we haven't, and none of our guests have as far as sharing uh, intimate details about yeah what happens when you're dreaming this or what does this mean when you do that, you know. So yeah, we definitely need to uh, tap into that. To the degree that we have talked about it, we meaning me and other guests and co-hosts have talked about the subject on the show. We have touched on it to a certain degree. And to that degree, for instance, on the question you just raised, um, I think one of the things we came to the conclusion was it really comes down to what you choose. What do you decide? That tends, turns out to be your, your, um, experience, your result. And even more than that, um, Part of this is, part of this raises an interesting question that we debated. God, it's been a few years since we debated this. Uh, but it's kind of, you can go back and forth on it because the whole idea of thoughts become things is dependent upon the idea of focusing attention, right? Mm -hmm. Where your attention goes, that's where the energy flows and so on and so forth. Well, what happens to your ability to attract when you go to sleep? There's, I, there's, there's two, there's two schools of thoughts on this one. There's yeah. a school of thought that says the whole thing shuts down. That's actually what Abraham Hicks teaches. And then there's a school of thought that says, Oh, no, no, you can actually go to night school and your mind can be attracting stuff in night school because you, you put an intention on, you know, before the night. You know, my thing is this, the law of vibration dictates my life and how I operate and how I roll. When I think I'm vibrating, when I'm having a dream, I'm having a daydream, but I'm asleep. So I'm vibrating. Mm -hmm. And it's any two things that vibrate at the same frequency will naturally pull towards each other. So for me, I'm 100% manifesting every second of the day that I'm thinking something. And that's why I, you know, want to know so much about sleep studies and stuff like that. Cause I need, if, if 16 hours of my day, I'm spitting out the most positive thoughts that I can and I'm doing great. As far mm -hmm. as over, under, positive and negative thought ratio out of the 60 to 70,000 thoughts we have every day. I need to get the other eight hours in check. And that's what was freaking me out. If all eight hours are dreams that are so bad, I can't remember them. I need, I really need to do a lot of work during the daytime to get this over, under. Um, yeah, I would suggest that they're not necessarily bad. I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I, I really honestly believe that they're not. Well, I, I like your again, here, Here's the question. How do you define bad? Right? One negative. person's bad dream might be, well, one person's negative might be another person's positive. Or one person's negative might negative be, and I don't care, you know? It's perspective. Yeah. It's, if it's negative to me, like, you know me, I like vibration, you know, I deal with crystals. You're either stagnant, you're in a positive vibe, or you're in a negative vibe. If mm -hmm. I'm down here, I want out and I want to do everything I can to make sure I stay out of that for as many seconds out of every day as I can. So uh, that's so the reason why here, here's I started the doing affirmations. Here's the follow-up to, to my to my previous question based on what you just said. The follow-up is, is it desirable to always stay out of negative, not just in dreaming, but with everything? Yes, for me. 
That's what, that's how I feel. I feel like every negative thought is basically taking food or money off my table for my kids to eat. So I am trying my hardest to make as many thoughts throughout the day be positive or at least one step above neutral at all times because neutral is stagnant. The only reason why neutral to me, neutral to me doesn't exist because time keeps going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, you're either you're either up or down because you're, because to this second is contributing to the next one. So you're, you're not just going to reproduce stagnancy and no, because at the very least you're getting old, you're getting older, which means your body composition is changing. Events are happening around you. So for me, you're either being positive or negative. And, and my goal, ever since I learned about the law of attraction was to have that over under be as close to a hundred percent as I can. Okay. That's, so that's my driving force. So let me follow up on that. Then if, if your desire, if your goal is to uh, not be focusing on any negative thoughts, only be focusing on positive thoughts. Um, where do you sit on the question of changing your mind about whether a thought is negative or positive? I want what I want. I'm pretty sure that it's only going to change in small increments. Um, so, so, all I, thought, so all thoughts that you have are related to what you want. A future that I want, yes. Okay. Be it healthier, Plantar fasciitis gone, my daughter graduating medical school, um, finances, whatever it is, it's just better. You know? All right. And, I, and I'm a big guy on improving. I want to do better in the next five seconds than I did in this previous five seconds. That okay. is, that's just in me. So let me follow up uh, in a different direction then based on that. These are really great answers you're giving me. You're feeding me. Like really great nice questions things. too. See, this is why we should, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're doing this, man. So my follow-up to that is, okay, under what circumstances are negative thoughts valuable? Self-preservation. You know, self-preservation. Um might not want to walk down that dark alleyway because what's been happening there. Mm-hmm. You need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go on a deeper level, you know, joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Every bad mm-hmm. thing and negative thought I've ever had led me to this. So I'm thankful for it because mm-hmm. this whole thing could have, according to uh, most of the people I graduated high school with, they're either dead or in jail. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm living in Florida alone Regardless of everything else, I've discovered the key to life. Regardless of all that, uh, you know, I'm up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are negative thoughts do serve their purpose, and they absolutely are necessary. Okay. But I, uh, they, they need to be few, far in between for me. All right. So what happens, do you think, if you get to a state where you achieve your goal, where literally you're not experiencing any more negative thoughts, all your thoughts are positive? What? How does that play out in your mind i don't think that's possible because you can't predict the future the what if is always going to be there as long Mm -hmm. as what if exists negative thoughts are going to exist negative outcomes and self-preservation you run the scenario so okay that's how i would handle that i don't need to think about it no more but that one time you did need to think about it once and you did need to go in that negative space and see how you would handle that situation and then, okay, I deal with it if it comes that way. And, you know, you got to release it. So it isn't really so much trying to make sure you don't have any negative thoughts. It's more like taking the opportunity to examine a negative thought and pivot around to where you want to go instead. 
It's not so, like you want to eliminate the negative thoughts. It's that no, you I want do. to leverage them. I do. 100%. Because like I said, every negative But if you eliminate thought, them entirely, then you don't have any more to leverage is what I'm saying. It, I don't think it's possible for us to eliminate them. If we could, I would want to. Screw leverage. <laughs> let me tell you what, let, let me you, tell you a little story. If you think about, if you think about the law of attraction, if you, if you didn't have any more negative thoughts, you wouldn't manifest anything more negative into your life, figuratively speaking. So you could just be cool. You but, know? But, but let me tell you a little story. And, and, uh, you, you mentioned next Thursday, the 5th of, of, Jan, of January. Yes. Um, we, I, I did check. We do have a guest. It's David Strickle. David Strickle, oh, yeah, yeah, David yeah, yeah, coming onto the show. And David actually talked about this, I think it was two or three times ago that he, he visited. So it was circa October or something like that. He was talking about how um, he had actually gotten to such a high vibe state on such a regular basis that he really wasn't experiencing anything negative at all. It, he was just, it was just pure love for everything. And his re- report on it was, it was boring. I do. I was about to say that. I've, I, when you said that, I'm like, you know what? I've been there. Like, I, I can't say all my negative thoughts were gone in those days and weeks where I was in pure bliss. I like to call it, but I've been very, and, and it, it got boring. It did. Yeah. That's why I always say to so find out. He actually out, died back down into the negative just to get the whole thing churned up a bit. And I did that too, but it wasn't proactively. Like, I don't know how he did it. I didn't look for drama. I guess I was more open to it and it just happened and yeah. I started to handle one little situation at a time. Um, but it does get boring. And I, that's why I always say the day I find out I know it all will be a terrible day because <laughs> I will just be bored. And the yeah. same thing, that's what, when you go with goals, um, I believe that's why Robin Williams committed suicide. I, if you listen to the way he talked, He's like, I've done everything. I've conquered every industry in the world that I wanted to conquer, mm-hmm. that I that I had in my heart to do, and I've lived in conquering it for years now. And mm-hmm. I'm just bored. I'm mm-hmm. at the point where I want to see what's on the other side. Got a couple herniated discs, been messing with me for the past thirty years, making life miserable. I just want to see what's on the other side. I've done it all, and I think a lot of people that have gotten to that level have felt that. It may, it may probably everybody who's gotten to that level has felt that, and so it is a scary thing, you know. And I know that's what comes with being the voice of the thoughts become things movement where I want to take this puts me on that level of I have enough money to do anything in the world I want. So for mm-hmm. the next couple of years, I'm going to go do anything in the world I want. And then after that, then what? Yeah, then what? It's like, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm good. I'm good. My outlook on that is sweet because I'm always coming up with new stuff up here. Mm-hmm. So there's always a new video to be done. There's always a new group of people to inspire just in a separate part of the world. And there's always going to be a poor neighborhood that I can fix up somehow, contribute somehow. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good. And I'm real big on video games and there's always new video games coming out. So <laughs> I would be very good at handling that situation. I'm pretty sure. Well, I'll tell you what my perspective is on the same question. Um, because I've given a lot of thought to it in part because of what David has said and others have said here on the show. Um, I, I've come to the conclusion that there are a whole bunch of things in life that I don't like. And because of that, I have a whole bunch of things that are opportunities. Because for me, the real enjoyment in life is going after something that I don't like and finding a way to appreciate it. Hmm. I've never even tried that. 
<laughs> well, it's part of what Dave teaches too. David Strickle teaches this idea of appreciating um, transgressors, as he calls them, or as the stream calls them, uh, and and that appreciation of transgressors, of things that you don't like, of things that you don't approve of, and so forth, is a really powerful exercise. You know what? It's so funny you say that because it was this year, probably within probably within the last two months, that I had that revelation. Mm. I should say I've had it a dozen times in my life before, but it didn't hit like that day. Yeah, yeah. And it was my appreciation for the negative things that have happened in my yeah. life. Yeah. I was in my garage. I was real meditative and I was going deep, you know, like I go every night from midnight till two in the morning and I was going, something happened in my life that was real sucky and it ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I was like, dude, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have any of this. It's like getting fired from a job and you're, you're terrified. And then you get your dream job making twice mm. as much that moves you out of that house. And you, you know, you meet your spouse at that job and you have kids. And I mean, it's like, it's like that type of impact that this thing had on me, um, this event. So that made me really stop and be like, what other negative things in my life that I have that I can appreciate? And I've started to go down a list and very quickly I was like, I needed all of them. Mm. Every one of the negative things that's ever happened to me, including that little negative thought that I had this morning yeah, that, yeah. Nudged, that nudged me to make the phone call that got me that gig mm-hmm. when it wasn't even in the stars or yeah. whatever it is. So, yeah, appreciating negative events and thoughts that you have is is huge. And and I, that's so cool that you brought that up about Dave. And I love well, I love hearing that because when I come up with something on my own, then I figure out like. A teacher is doing it too. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, you, you're aware. You're, you're a part of the, uh, the small group that knew what was going on with me, uh, since early October. And I revealed that, uh, story to the podcast audience this past Monday with oh. Amory Young. So the, so the audience is now queued in. Yeah. But that whole situation with Louise leaving and all that kind of stuff, that's given me ample opportunity to find things that I don't like that I can learn how to appreciate. And I can't say I've succeeded every step of the way yet, but I've succeeded with some of it. And the, the really interesting thing is the more often that I do succeed with you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, so on and so forth, all of a sudden that's where the things start falling in place. Cause you know, you, you remember all these different things that were kind of the place that were up in the air. I didn't know what was going on with the income, with the relationships, with the health, with the, I mean, like one thing after another. You it's know, like I the know guy, what, the guy with the stick. And, yeah. And spinning a plate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was exactly like that. But every step of the way that I have managed to find something in that whole scenario to appreciate that I didn't appreciate before within hours, days at the most, one of the plates came down to earth. Nice. Every single one of them. And and it's not just the big ones either, the little things, you know, the little questions. There were, there were all the questions that I was asking, like, well, why did she do it? How, you know, how could she have done that? But there was like all that stuff, right? And as I found ways to appreciate every single one of those things, little things started falling into place. So uh, I'm getting this kind of spread out over a three-month period opportunity to just learn, here's what happens when I appreciate here and here and here and here and here. And a funny thing happens along with that. I actually like it. You know, you know what? You got me, <laughs> you got me thinking because it's like there's a lot of things that you're positive in life about, a lot of things that you're negative in life about, as far as your or how you see. If you're shifting the negative things to positive, yeah, 
Where's your per- your percentage is growing? Your percentage right? of your life, not of your yeah. thought, not of your day, of your life. Exactly. Is growing, and that's that's cool because when you apply that type of mentality to a relationship, yeah, it's not just husband and wife. No. That that goes for friends, children, right. grandparents. All relationships fall under that category. That's right. And it's oh man, <laughs> that that's a cat that was batting at me because he's insisting you shouldn't be doing a podcast. You should be letting me out. That's your job. Come on, <laughs> you know how yeah, this works. Yeah, she went right for the left cheek. <laughs> uh, he or she? He. Okay. Yeah. I, the whole time I seen him look at the camera a bunch of times. Every time he popped up, I'm thinking Sabrina, the teenager. <laughs> You know, they always have the black cat on there. Uh, I, you know, I love that. Um, I am a, when I flip a coin, I want tails. Mm. And that's because everybody I know wants heads. <laughs> you know, uh, they just do. And I don't mean like if, if me and you are like, all right, heads or tails. But I mean, if you were just flipping a coin, subconsciously you want heads. You know, you just do. Mm-hmm. And I've always, you know, wanted tails. And you live with a black cat, mm. which... The, 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 the stereotype or whatever it's called for black cats is, you know, if they cross your path, da, 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 da. But he crosses and, my path every day about 25 times. So, you know, exactly. whatever that is, I'm done. <laughs> and look, we hear, so I'm not a superstitious. I'm not a very superstitious person at all. Like I don't really feed into any of that at all. I don't think with the law of attraction, you can be, you know, well, you, you can be. It's just that you're setting yourself up. Yeah. You're like 50 50. I'm law of attraction, but part of me's not. It's, but you're if also you, setting yourself you, up for, for, for things by default happening. You know, yep, it, it, wasn't my it, it was because of the crazy black cat that that's what happened, yep. you know? <laughs> yeah, I watched this happen this week. I, I, I don't know if we were talking about it last week or no, I read it somewhere, but they were talking about people responding to questions negatively. And it's like, how's your day going? Oh, I'm getting by. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, those type of responses. And if you find yourself doing that, people, please, if you find yourself doing that, check yourself. Chick chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. Cause that. <laughs> Very good. I like that. That's from a song. I stole that. But yes, that, those answers for one, thoughts become things. You're manifesting a future where you're just getting by. For two, you're watering a, a negative seed spreading out through your life. Other people are taking that energy in from you. They have that outlook on you. So they're manifesting a future where you have that outlook using through collective energy. There's just 90 different ways that it, that we should try to not do right. that. Mm. So be on that. Uh, BNI is this networking group that I joined. Oh, I know BNI. Yep. Yeah. They have this thing where when someone asks you how your day is going, mm-hmm. They say you should answer it. Um, oh man, I forget the word. It's something like marvelous. It's something that it's, but it's, it's psychologically a word like better than marvelous that sticks with people. So it's something that they, they remember. I'll, re- I'll remember it by the end of this show, but it's something that sticks in people's minds that they think that they think about you. And it's like, that's what you want. It's that collective energy. You want people thinking things are going good in your life, not terribly. That's why you don't air your dirty laundry on Facebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's why I'll scroll down on Facebook because somebody's talking about their baby mom that or their job that screwed them over somehow. And it's just like, oh, jeez. Well, you can do it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing it. That, that That's something that I think is really important. I think we need to take the right and wrong concept out of all this stuff. Because it messes with our heads big time. Yeah. 
I, I, I made the point on a, I went in, I was involved with a, um, an LOA group that meets on meetup.com or not, it doesn't meet on meetup, but they, you know, they organized through meetup and they had a, a Zoom meeting and I, I joined their Zoom meeting on Tuesday. And that was one of the concepts that I brought up when I, when it came my turn to, to bring something up. I said, if you want to be a victim, there's nothing wrong with that. Cause they were talking about victimhood. I said, you know, we, we need to accept the idea that people choose to be victims and it's perfectly yeah. okay for them to choose to be victims. The question That's, isn't whether it's right or wrong to be a victim. The question is, do you want to stay there? Yeah. And it sucks when our, it's our relatives because we want to help them out. So yeah. Bad. Yeah. It's understandable, but yeah. we also need to respect it's their choice. <laughs> they get to decide it's their lives. Some people thrive, uh, Eckhart Tolle in the power of now, he calls it the pain body. Mm-hmm. And it's this thing in everybody that has an appetite. And if it's used to eating every day, really good, six meals a day, it's going to come for its meal. And pain mm-hmm. bodies eat off of other people's pain bodies. Mm-hmm. So if you come home not looking to argue, but you and your spouse's pain bodies are both starving, they're going to spark up an argument. And then if you notice arguments like that, just stop. Out of nowhere, you're heated. Then you're just done with it. Yeah, Your pain body is satisfied. It has eaten today. And what you do uh, is you starve it. I starve it. You know, they suggest you put it on a diet and wean down how much it eats a day. I starved mine immediately. I don't want, you know, saying I'm dinner table, money off my dinner table. Um, So I starve mine to the point where it doesn't want to eat at all, really. Um, And and that's, I think that's where, I think this world, the world is heading. Well, there was another point that I made in that same meeting, and it touches on this really nicely. And that is when we, to, to use your, your metaphor there of the pain body, or actually Eckhart Tolle's metaphor of the pain body, um, the pain body kind of gets into a rut in a sense. It kind of gets into a habit. And very often we're finding that we have trouble getting out of that habit, even if we want to. That's kind of what you're, you're addressing there indirectly. Because it has and, taken over. It has <laughs> taken over, yes. <laughs> You will submit to my will. <laughs> and you know what? That's when people say stuff they don't mean. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a lot of stuff you can't take back. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's right. Well, what I, the point that I was making during that meeting was my favorite way to deal with that kind of situation is to ask myself the question that I asked you much earlier during this podcast, mm-hmm. which is what's the payoff? Because no matter what it is, no matter what kind of choice it is, no matter what kind of preference it is, no matter what kind of pattern is, no matter why it is that you're doing it, even if you don't know what the why is, you'll always know what the payoff is. It may be dysfunctional. It may be unhealthy, but there's always a payoff. All right. Give us an example of of an experience. So let's see. Um, Let's say that somebody is, um, they, they, they have a habit of, like you were saying, they come home and they, and they argue with the spouse. And every day they come home to argue with the spouse and they're like you say, they, 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 they're sick of it, but they can't seem to stop themselves from doing it. So the question that I ask that person is, don't tell me why you're doing it. Don't tell me what it's going to take for you to change it. Tell me what the payoff is for you to argue with your spouse each day. And that your answer is going to be different depending on who you are, but maybe your answer is, Devil's well, it makes me feel like, it makes me feel like I won. Let's do this, devil's advocate. You ask me that, and I'll and 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 that's my answer. I feel like I won the argument. Okay. When you identify that, when you say, "Well, I feel like I won the argument," 
you basically have given words and emotion to something that you were keeping in kind of the ethereal realm. Like I will never actually talk about or touch this thing, but by giving it an, an identifiable label with an emotional attachment to it, even if you don't even know why you're doing it, you now know what the payoff is. And a funny thing happens when you identify the payoff, you become less interested in it. The payoff I, becomes less interesting. But if I was to say the payoff was winning the argument, I think that would be more interesting because that's what mm. I wanted the whole time. Try it but with somebody, try it with somebody who's, who's actually saying it. Don't do this hypothetically. It. I could see it. I could yeah, see that. It, it's very similar to what happens in, in a therapeutic environment when somebody is able to identify a cause, you know, like a childhood cause of a situation. Just by voicing that childhood cause, it takes the power away from it. Yeah. And the I same see. thing is here too. When just identifying and, and giving voice to what's the payoff takes the power from the payoff. It just you know, becomes I, less powerful. I love that. And I, and I do want you to help me with something I've been wondering for a while. I thought you were going to go the why, why, why route. Ask yourself why three times. I oh, thought that's no, where no. you were going. So I no. was like, I was, I was like, let's play devil's advocate. I want to give you my answers <laughs> and then you fix me. Um, <laughs> no. So as far as the why, why, why? I've tried that a couple times with myself and it just kind of, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I, I think I'm doing it wrong. Well, there's a way you can vary it that might help. The way okay. to vary it is, is that really true? So you ask why you come up with an answer and then you ask yourself, okay, that's my answer. Is that really true? And then ask yourself why again after that? You probably don't have to. Because if you if you kind of face answering that question, is that really true? You kind of find that the next why becomes unnecessary. Okay, is there any way we could do this right now? You ask yeah. me why, 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 or, or I'll answer. Yeah. Well, tell, give me the scenario. What's going on? Give give me something that's really you know has gone on or, or something going on with somebody else or whatever. I, I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what, what question to ask. Like, let's, let's use me. Don't, don't worry about a question. Give me a scenario. Let's use me pursuing law of attraction, changing the world. All right. And why do you want to do that? Because I, I know what it can do because it did it for me. Okay. Mentality and lifestyle. Okay. And, and why is that important? We're going to do the why thing for a bit. I, it's important to me because it feels great. And I want everybody to feel great too. Okay. And and why is that an issue? Cause they don't feel great right now. Is that really true? Looking at the world? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. A lot how of countries, you know? a lot of people, how, a lot of countries. How, how stuff you know? News. Let's see what's going on in Afghanistan. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, well, I'm going to stop you right there. News is all about putting the worst possible spin on something in order to sell advertising. If you're going to make that the basis for your conclusions, I guarantee you're going to be in a trap for the rest of your life. Yeah. But I mean, they are mutilating females over there. You know, that is, you know, they, it is happening. Okay. okay. And that's one of the things that just pops up in my head about one of the evils that are happening in the world and right. how a whole large group of people are suffering and they could get out of that. Okay. If they just dot, dot, dot. So let's go back to the why then. Why why is it that you're focusing in on the mutilated females? Because that's the example you brought up. I mean, because of suffering. As a people, as a large group, they're suffering. Okay. They don't have to be. 
Okay. It, but it's only because they don't know no better. Okay. And that's what drives me. So I'm going to swap it up a little bit because I think why it starts to get a little bit off track here. I'm going to ask, what do you want to have happen instead? I want everybody to live this format. More spiritual, more inner, more positivity, more happy as a group, as a human, as mankind. And there's the really tough question. If some of them choose not to, can you be okay with that? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's just, it's the percentage gotta be up there. You know, if 10% choose not to, I understand, you know, that is what it is, but I'm well, what, what if 90% choose not to? That would suck. I don't think I could live with that. I, I feel that way now and it hurts me. It's the only pain in my life that I have right now outside of physical pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the only one and it's, un, it's the worst of any other pain, you know? To, to see one person suffer or see a couple million suffer, that sucks. So that brings to mind the Abraham Hicks teaching, which is that I can't make myself suffer enough to alleviate somebody else's suffering. Makes sense. I can't make myself hurt enough to alleviate somebody else's pain. It's not possible. Then how did you stop it? That's the thing. Cause if I would, honestly, if I could stop feeling that pain, I'd probably stop doing videos. So that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I just live happy Actually, here I don't doing think what would, I do. I don't think you'd stop doing videos. I think no, you just I kind don't. of changed the nature of the videos. Um, I guess what I'm getting at here is yes, pain goes on. There is pain in this world and it's real and it's tangible and it's, it's often off the scale in terms of how much pain there is. The question is, are we going to focus on the pain or are we going to focus on something else? What's the other thing that we can focus on instead of focusing on the pain? Because if we focus on the pain, all we do is reinforce the pain. That's the suckiest part of it all. I know that every, just like my son's grades, thank goodness he graduated high school. I don't have to ever deal with that again. Um, just like my son grade, I know when people ask me about the planet or his grades, my mm-hmm. first is, you know, oh man, like I, I could help, I could help this, you know, um, and that's, that's my first thought. And then it's like, how long do I still in that before I say, nope, nope. If I wanted to get better, I got to see it as better. I got to see it as good. I got to see that, you know, man, you know, they may still be killing people, but they're killing way less people than they were a thousand years ago, sacrificing people for the sun to come out or mm-hmm. for it to rain. Um, so as humankind, we are getting better and better, although it might not seem that way. Um, so how long do I stew before I wake up? It's, that's the, the this is starting to feed into a, a question that I've given a lot of attention to, and I know other people have as well. And it's, it's, it's really a very fundamental question. The fundamental question of how much am I willing to hurt in order to be empathetic about somebody else's hurt? And how much am I willing, more importantly, to acknowledge that when people go through pain, when they go through suffering, when they go through stuff like that, they are actually going through their greatest expansion. Because like we were talking about before, you don't really do any expansion when you're in that high vibe permanently all the time. It gets boring. That's why there's no expansion going on. So they're actually going through expansion. 
are we willing to accept that that's what they're doing? That's really hard. That's a hard conclusion to draw because they're going through so much suffering. But are we yeah. willing to accept that? I mean, that sounds like the ultimate life question right now, because yeah. if uh, mankind as a whole, if we're transmitting, which I believe into this new world of more positive spiritual people, um, then this is exactly what you're talking about. A whole crap load of people all suffering at the same spot, same time, preparing for this expansion. And I'm happy for it. I'm happy for it. That is coming. I guess what I do at that point is I also recognize that, yeah, I really do need to be okay with them choosing repeatedly to be in that spot of suffering. I don't like it. I don't want it, but I have to find a way to appreciate it because until I do appreciate it for whatever way I can, I'm not going to change my mindset about it. And I got to change my mindset if I want to get to where I want to be. You know what, when the rabbit hole I end up going down in this situation, because it all comes back to how I could contribute in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens I'm well equipped for this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you and me and Debbie and, and you know all of us are. And it's so, how can I help? Why isn't what I'm helping going, spreading faster? And the only way I've been able to really settle myself in these situations is to tell myself the world isn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not ready for that change yet. Some other things need to happen. Some meetings, some people need to meet, some things need to happen. COVID needed to happen. Um, it's just not ready yet. So it's not me. It's not something or doing, I'm doing or not right. doing because that raises the huge law of attraction question. Oh yeah. Am I doing the right practices to get what I want? Mm-hmm. And I have I don't have it yet. Or should I switch it up to get what I want? Mm-hmm. And it's like, do I float? Do I switch? Do I float? Do I? Because if, <laughs> if I'm meant, to, if I'm doing the right thing, I just need to do it for a little bit longer. I don't want to switch. Mm. So you're like, I want to stay there. But if I do need to switch, then I'm wasting my time. It's never going to happen. And that's the big conundrum with the law of attraction. This and is it, where I think the Abraham Hicks teaching comes really good, really helpful. They teach that you cannot get it wrong and you will never get it done. No matter what it is you're talking about, it is not possible to get it wrong and you'll never finish. And there's you, great wisdom you, in that. You're confusing me with the never finish part. Cause if you have a goal, like finish medical school, it's going to come. You, you may achieve a milestone, which is in a sense achieving a goal, but there's always something that comes after that. Oh, that's what you mean by never finish. Ah, that is, a, that's a huge real, that is, one of the biggest things, because I'm big on my toys. You know that. I'm big on my toys. Yeah, I know you are. Like <laughs> Especially the flying and, ones. <laughs> yeah. And actually, remote control airplanes is what made me come to this realization. I would get the model, and then I would get the upgrade, and then I would get the upgrade. And I was mm. like, I don't even play with these two anymore. They're just taking up space, and I don't want to mm. sell them. So they're just taking up space. And so I started just getting the highest one. Mm. Just getting the highest of its kind, the highest jet, mm-hmm. the highest 3D plane, the best of its kind. That way there was no, I want the next one. I can't wait yeah. for the next one. There's none. This is it. It's the best that they offer. Um, and, and that, that boring yeah. came back out. There you go. Um, and so yeah, it, that really made me realize I'm always going to be wanting the next thing, whether it's there or not. Right. So I need to curb this beast somehow. That's the life experience. That's what we came into this world to do, to experience. I want something next. I want something and, next. I want something next. And want is a feeling of lack, y'all. 
Well, no, it not, actually it isn't necessarily. It depends on how you vibrate to it. This is another Abraham teaching, right? They actually teach it's good to want. Wanting is a very, very good thing. She did say that in her book. Um, yeah. Wanting yeah. is really, really important. And, and it confused me for the longest time until I finally realized there are two different kinds of wanting. There's high vibe wanting and there's low vibe wanting. If you're high vibe wanting, that's wonderful. You got it. When you're high vibe wanting, like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. If you're low vibe wanting, you're stuck in where you are. You got to teach us real quick the difference. Uh, because I remember when I first got to that part in the book, uh, I think something abundance, I think it's called. I got to that part and I was like, hold on, it doesn't, does not compute. Like, I don't get it. And she explained it so well that I was yeah. like, dude, this is amazing. And she put in that book, got me saying Ken again. Yeah. I took Ken out of my vocabulary when I wasn't realizing I could have been using it for, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I can fly an airplane. So yeah. I totally was killing all those affirmations, just deleting that word Ken. So anyway, um, well, well, to answer your question, that's that's how I came up with the idea of high vibe versus low vibe wanting. Low vibe wanting is lack. High vibe wanting is desire. Give me an example of high vibe wanting your next desire. Any Anything that feels good. Like, yeah, I resonate to that. But the feeling of lack since you don't have it yet is always in the background lingering. How do you fully you don't. feel good about it? Remember, high vibe doesn't mean highest vibe. It just means, it just means higher than neutral. Okay, so like, okay, so maybe you are you talking about visualizing yourself with it and being very happy about yeah, feeling good about it, feeling good about it. Okay, but then that's not wanting it. When you're well, doing, it is wanting you're doing it. that. You, when you're doing that, you have it already. But if okay, so maybe you're talking about like. Let's say I ordered a package from Amazon. It's on its way. It's already paid for. It's guaranteed it's coming. That's why I use that example. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy about it already. Mm -hmm. Like that? Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's dope. That's dope. And, and it hasn't arrived yet, by the way. Yeah. So it's not there. It's not there but, yet. So, you, so you're still wanting it, but it's a good kind of want. So it's naturally harder to naturally going to give you more difficulties, I think, to do this exercise on something that's out of your reach right now. Uh, Maybe. It's definitely, it's definitely possible. It's definitely Maybe. possible. I encourage I mean, everybody. I, I think about your, your wall exercise because you've talked about that, that wall exercise a few times. And, and the key element to the wall exercise as I think about it is that you imagine that it's already done and it doesn't really matter whether it's shown up in reality yet. So it, because it has, ha it has shown, it has happened in the imagination. It has happened on, on that other side of the wall. So that's all you need to worry about. You that is, the essence of positive wanting. And the key to the whole wall exercise, the whole key to that exercise is the same thing like Amazon. Because it's on the other side of the wall, it's basically in the mail. It's already paid for. It's already ordered. It's mm -hmm. just waiting on delivery. Yeah. If you don't have that confidence, then you're missing a huge component of this whole exercise. So, Adapt it, and that confidence comes from your confidence in the law of attraction. Right, exactly. That is going to dictate how effective that actually the whole wall exercise is for you. It's completely one hundred percent, you know, dependent on you being very, very confident in your ability to manifest. Well, we started with sleep habits. Look where we went to. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
That's how we do. We got to let that conversation flow. It flows beautifully around here. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to doing the show again tomorrow. I'm not sure if you'll be able to join us with our guests, but if you can, that'll be great. Um, If you can't, totally understand. We'll chop it up. We'll chop it up in a second. I'm hoping that our friend uh, Debbie G is able to rejoin us again too, because it's so much better when we have Debbie G on. Oh man, if Debbie's coming, I'm 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 dropping everything. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Screw oh, my clients. It. No. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Debbie? You go have that to one wait. on you, girl. <laughs> I gotta go live real quick. No, that would be a great therapy session. You know, listen in, y'all. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. So, all right, thank you very much. Thank you, podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody.